So one of the main reasons why I used to be liberal was because of the inclusivity that was being advertised to others. I was always told that people who identified as gay or are a minority were always looked down upon in society and that the liberals were the ones who loved them to where they were free to express themselves without judgment. In movies, they always depicted conservative families where they had a kid who comes out to their parents and the parents immediately shunned their kid for being different. From the times that I have witnessed someone coming out to their parents, a lot of parents are actually proud of their kids for figuring themselves out and are very accepting of their lifestyles. It got me thinking, do these situations actually exist in conservative families or is it all a scam to try and villainize conservatives? I think back to when politics weren't a huge thing. The adults may have been like that, but since the political climate has changed, I think people are less likely to get upset at their kids for coming out of the closet. I do live in California, so that may be why I see a lot more positivity in people being accepting than in other states. I'll tell you more about my opinion on the LGBTQ movement in this upcoming segment of the podcast. I will also be having my first two guests as they speak out against the increasing amount of teachers discussing LGBTQ-related topics with elementary school students. My name is Jennifer, so let's start spilling the unfiltered tea. I will say, I do not have a problem with people being gay or bisexual. It's their choice of who they want to love and who they are happiest with. I will, however, not tolerate it when they make their whole personality around their sexuality and demand respect being given to them just because they're on the LGBTQ spectrum. Not respecting someone whose life revolves around their sexuality is not homophobic. Why? Because you don't have to like how they are not being productive with their lives, not because they choose their sexuality. The friends that I have who are gay or bisexual are very respectful of my views and they have enough self-esteem to know that not everyone will like them and that respect from others must be earned. The LGBTQ movement itself is a whole other ballgame because it's a movement that started out as inclusivity and awareness that there are people who are different. They wanted gay marriage legalized and they got that. But now, just like the feminist movement, they are power hungry. They started targeting children to make them think that being on the LGBTQ spectrum is normal. First off, it's not normal. Second, children don't need to know what that stuff is until they're older. Children and teens are usually at a very vulnerable stage where they have to figure out their identity and they have to do it on their own. I've seen videos of teachers trying to tell their students that being gay is okay and that it's normal to feel like you're born in the wrong body. I also feel like the trans community has become the dominating part of the entire LGBTQ community where gays and lesbians are often looked at as background people now. Whenever pride is talked about, it's always the trans community that gets brought up the most. They aren't exactly an underrepresented group anymore, so I don't understand why they keep saying that they're the most oppressed group of people. Anyway, the number of people that identify as LGBTQ has risen by 7.1% since 2012. 
Is it necessarily a bad thing? No, of course not. People are more open and comfortable with their identity. But is the number rising because people are figuring themselves out? Or is it through societal pressure? These kids need to be kids. Like, play at a park, make believe that they're a dinosaur, talk about how they want to be an astronaut when they grow up, play in the dirt, catch frogs, I don't know, but not learn about human sexuality when they're like eight years old. Back to the topic of teachers, I think we need to get rid of elementary school teachers that teach this type of content to their students because it's inappropriate. It'll question the child to the point where they will have an identity crisis. And teachers should not be telling their students what to believe and what not to. That's the parent's job. And do not get me started on the what if the child of the teacher is in the same class. It's still inappropriate because it's in a school environment. Do all the teachings about sexuality in your home, one-on-one -on -one with your kid, and when the kid is not a minor. Another thing I am tired of from the community is the victimhood mentality that they put in each other. The LGBTQ community is somehow considered a national emergency because they're using the fatalities of the trans people being killed to justify the oppression and sense of victimhood being valid among the community. Trans people already have a problem with their mental health. Of course, they're eventually going to go crazy because they need the help and not the help that they are being given is or the help that they are being given is not the help that they should be receiving, such as being told to transition to the other gender and then they'll be happy. Bio biology and God made people born in their bodies for a reason, not to change it and disrespect their hard work to create them. My next segment of this podcast is an interview with a music teacher and one of my best friends and how they think the LGBTQ movement has crossed the line. So, this is the first time I am having any guests on this podcast. My first guest, he is a music teacher for the children at Generation Music and Arts Academy in Northern Alameda County. He also has his own music studio called Music by Austin. He is on the LGBTQ spectrum, and this dude is also known as one of my longtime best friends, Austin Zwong. My other best friend works for Amazon and helps run AA meeting discussions with the other with others who are overcoming alcoholism and addiction. Her name is Victoria Bojorquez. I want to welcome both of y'all to the podcast. And yes, I ran this introduction by both of them just to make sure they were okay with it. How are you guys doing today? Doing good. Doing good. How's it going, everybody? Doing very well. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we just finished hiking and now we're just here. <laughs> Um, so I do have a couple questions I want to ask both of you. Um, sure. so my first question is, since this month is Pride Month, uh, thank goodness it's almost over, I wanted to talk to you about some of the stuff that has been happening where teachers are trying to influence their children about LGBTQ rights. Schools are providing books about sex to children as young as 10 years old. And I want to ask you first, Austin, as a teacher, how do you feel about these teachers that are doing these teachings? From a standpoint of a teacher, I strongly disagree with how these teachers are handling um, inclusive, inclusivity and, diverge, uh, and diversity. Um, 
if you are trying to provide books about sex to children as young as 10 years old or even younger than that, just keep in mind that, you know, most of the time it, it's not going to end well because you, because these teachers do not realize what they're putting themselves into. Um, I, myself included, I was, thankfully was not taught any of this when I was in fifth grade or sixth grade. Um, it wasn't until I went into high school that I got taught all, all the stuff of, you know, you know, uh, sexual reproduction, um, biology. I wasn't taught that until I got into high school. So thankfully I did not go through that era, but I, but it's just sad to see our society just being so degrading nowadays because we're just constantly talking about the fact that, you know, we have kids as young as 10 years old now who already know, um, quote unquote, this is a trigger warning. So, um, that know what a penis and a vagina is. All right. Um, and so that triggers me and that, that scares me because we weren't taught that at 10 years old. When I was in, when I was in fifth grade, I was only, I was, it was only 2009. We were not taught that. And so it, it, to provide books about sex, but make it in a way where it's colorful and this is no different than that of, you know, showing them the difference between the, repro the, the, the things that reproduce, that make babies, you know. Um, I just also feel as if, you know, these teachers do not know what they're putting themselves into. You know, I don't, what I don't, let's, I don't mind them teaching it. Just as long as you're more, just as just as long as you're in a more mature body, and you understand your body, and you're learning about your body, but when you're in elementary school, when you're in middle school, you're still growing. You should have that time, you know, to really have fun, you know, and not get and not rid these kids of their innocent times, you know. Um, I. I just feel very sad for our generation that, you know, because we're pushing for so much inclusivity and diversity that it has to touch upon children. Um, and this even touches upon, you know, drag queen story hour where literally they're saying they're like, they're inviting drag queens to elementary schools, to libraries, to the community. Um, and it's just giving a very different picture that you are, we are literally destroying our children. And so how I feel about teachers teaching LGBTQ, um, providing books about sex to children as young as 10 years old, I just don't agree with it because it's just, it just, it will, it will harm them in the teachers don't realize this, but they will harm them in the long run. And, it is time for our nation to wake up and realize and smell the roses and see what the heck is going on in our nation. Yeah. Yeah, I remember at Young Women's Leadership, we were talking about, I think it was Lara Trump, I think she talked about, it's no longer a left versus right issue anymore. It's a good versus evil thing right now. Absolutely. And we even have like... Even like liberals like yourself coming out, coming forward, like you're all for inclusivity, just not for children. Absolutely. I don't know. What are your takes on this? Uh, just going off of what Austin already said, 
at 10 years old, in 2007, I was 10, uh, we did not learn anything about sexual reproduction, even what the body parts were. I didn't start learning that until I was seventh, eighth grade. And, um, you know, there's children have no business learning anything about anything sexual, 10 and younger. Right. Um, yeah, that's what I feel about that. Yeah, I think when I was in school, I think we definitely learned what a penis and a vagina was, but we looked at, like, cartoon diagrams of like where the like for girls it's like where the ovaries fallopian tubes cervix is and then i think uh because we were we were separated uh it was the girls in one classroom and then the boys were in the other and we learned what the body parts and the private parts were Mm -hmm. but we didn't and then i think in seventh grade we learned about how i guess male sperm go into the vagina somehow we didn't we weren't taught the mechanics of it at least i wasn't taught the mechanics of it or i was just naive we we were taught the mechanics but then i remember in seventh grade we watched a baby being born i did too and we had to sign permission slips i remember that and there was definitely three or four kids that had their permission ships permission slips signed saying hey we, we don't want our kid seeing that you know, right. but the majority did, you know, but mm. again, that wasn't until 12, 13 years old, you know, um, and I feel like teachers nowadays, it's like they push so hard their own views and that's crossing a parental line, you know, and that's taking something away from the parents and teachers have no right to do that. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, they are paid to teach, but they are not paid to parent. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's my take on it. Okay, I agree. And um, so the next question being, do you think teachers should talk about their own sexual identity to their students in elementary school? Austin, what do you think? This one is a very hard question because as someone who identifies with the LGBTQ um, community, um, you can share about it, but only to an extent. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, share like your experiences of being in the community, but don't go off on a tangent and talk about your relationships because personal relationships should and will be and have to be one separate thing. We can't put it together and then expect children to be like, oh, this is what it's like to be, you know, gay, bisexual, all that kinds of stuff. Because in in an intern, we're leading our children in the wrong direction when it comes to the relationships. And uh, the reason of why we see so many immature, and, and what I mean by immature is like these kids are looking at relationships in a wrong way because their own teachers talk about their own relationships when they shouldn't even be doing that in elementary school. If we're talking about it in high school, it's understandable, you know, but we're talking about relation. We're talking about putting personal relationships with the professional setting inside elementary and middle schools, especially with it, especially regardless of if it's a public school, public charter or private charter, those should never be brought into the setting. Um, because one, because first off it's unprofessional to do so. You know, I've seen my fair share of 
I've seen my fair share of teachers get fired because of that. And two, quite frankly, I just don't see why that is the case. Why you, why you should talk about, um, why you, it's okay to talk about the experiences you go through as someone who identifies as LGBTQ, but it is not okay for someone to, but it is not okay for a teacher to come up to these children, especially if you have like 25 to 30 children in one, in one class and say like, Hey, this is how a relationship works. Hey, this is, this is, this, this is like relationships aren't so beautiful. Kids won't understand a single piece of things that is being thrown to them when it comes to relationships. You know, it, I'm off. I am all for talking about like the struggles we go through. But then again, that should only be brought to an extent. I'm all for talking about what, um, what gay, lesbian, bisexual is. But again, that term, those terms should be brought to an extent where it is easy for the kids to understand. And what I mean by that is you phrase it in a way where it doesn't touch upon the sexual innuendo or the sexual parts or... Heck, even when it comes to relationships, because when it when it when it touches the relationship portion, that is when it gets complex. And even if we as human beings, as adults, if even as teachers, even as mentors to our other teachers, if they don't understand, are we going to expect that our kids will understand the same thing, too? I don't think so. Right. And so it's just it, this is a it's it, it is a hard question for teachers like us to talk about it because we if people don't re, re, like if people don't agree with us then they're gonna end up canceling us you know cancel culture is a real thing especially in schools now especially when it comes to the educational setting and you know cancel culture I even, I, I agree I disagree with most of it because you're canceling people that don't agree with your values. You're canceling people for having their own voice. Here in America, we have the right to freedom of speech. You know, we have the right to bear arms. But mostly when we're talking about the freedom of speech, we're talking about, hey, this is, we're, and what I mean by freedom of speech is we have our own views. You can choose to, you can choose to agree or disagree, but you should not cancel that person and put that person through hell based on their own views it's you know? basically like one step towards like communism exactly and uh, one step towards socialism because if you see what's happening in china you see what's happening in in north korea that th basically you, they call themselves a democratic republic but they're not because uh, what they're doing to their own citizens is they are binding their citizens they are putting their citizens through intense amounts of brainwash you know we have we've seen native people um in china you know literally um s surrender to our own culture because of just or just communism in general because of what's going on you know and here in america it's becoming no different especially here in california as people who, who here who live in the bay area are are um our, 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 our voices are being silenced. You know, it's not easy to speak upon what we want to speak. It's all about the narrative. It's about the narrative. Yeah. And if exactly. you don't follow that narrative, then mm -hmm. you're automatically done 
and canceled. And there's no coming back from that. That's not fair. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely cancel culture is like one of the biggest things that is basically a toxicity that needs to be rid of. Like people's voices and opinions need to be heard again. And just because some, and I feel like I discussed this in one of my previous episodes about how to hold a healthy discussion. People are not able to maturely talk about sensitive topics like this. And I think that definitely needs to change. Uh, Back to the topic. um, At what age do you think students should be educated on sexual identity? Not until they're teenagers. Okay. Not until they're adolescents. I agree with Victoria on that one. As a teacher, not until you get into high school. I agree. At least if, if, if it were me... In my classes, I would not teach them about sexual reproduction until high school, at least until freshman year. That is where that is where I that's where I cut it off because if you're teaching them if you're teaching them about the fallopian tubes, if you're teaching them about the uterus, if you're teaching them about you know the penis, the vagina, um, the the boobs, all that kinds of stuff, um, it, it shouldn't they they should not know about any of that until at least until high school. You know, I mean, they they taught us how to they taught us how they how to play it safe. You know, put a condom. They they the example that I was taught in biology in high school was put a condom on a banana. Um, yeah, we got. I think and, we got that too. And so you know, we all got that right. And and that I mean that okay that to myself it taught me a lot because I was like okay we need to practice the safe the safe things in life right. right. Um, but in person personally in my in my personal opinion, I. We should not teach any any kid about sex education at least until high school because then that's where they're more mature and they're more willing to listen to these things. Because if we're teaching them about them in elementary school, they're not gonna get, first off they're gonna get so confused. But second, they're we're opening we're opening up a world of um, of pervertism. We are opening up a world of um, of just dirty talk and, you know, um, and all these things. And, and, and quite frankly, when I see these kids just like knowing words, knowing words to songs about sex, that scares me because they, because they're just saying the lyrics. They don't know what the lyrics mean. I was definitely one of those kids at 10 years old singing along to the lyrics and having no idea what I was saying until, yeah, high school. Right. And then I look back on it and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was saying those things at at 10? I will tell you this. I I, I will tell you this. I, when I was, yesterday in the car, I was on my way to work and I, I was, you know, I was, I was having a very good day and then I, then, and I was still having a good day by, by far. And I played Love Game. The first that was the first song that I heard when I was a kid. Just Dance and Love Game by Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what the, I didn't know what a disco stick was. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I know when I when I was about. ten, and mind you, like I was like, I want to take a ride on your disco stick. What does a disco stick mean? And so I had these like I had like these many thoughts because I was so innocent. I was like. Disco stick? Does it literally mean a stick on a, 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 a stick that has a disco ball on it? You know, I thought about no. it. But then it turns out, 
seven years later when I was a senior in high school. Oh, frick. This sounds like it's about a penis. And you can so, swear on the podcast. I, I, I'm saying. trying not to. No, you can. It's unfiltered. It's un- but it's it was talking about, you know, I didn't know that it was, I didn't know that ass was a thing. I didn't know that pussy was a thing. <laughs> I didn't know that a disco stick was a dick. Oh, yep. <laughs> it really wasn't until I was in high school until I knew that. And so like, but going back to the whole topic of like, at what age should students be educated on like sexual identity, whether it be, you know, the more explicit thing of the more explicit explanation of gay, bisexual, lesbian, trans, um, any of that thing should not be until high school. Because if you're talking about, because if we're talking about dick, pussy, I mean, we made up this word, bagussy, you know, (laughs) all that kind of stuff (laughs) to, to, to me, you know, because it's so explicit, it should not be, it should not be covered until high school. Right. Um, at the very least, because, you know, we are we are raising the teachers nowadays we are raising a generation where they where they don't even know they don't even know shit about math they don't know their their our english um levels our letter literacy is going down by 2.4% every year that to me is scary but then we're talking about so we're talking about sex and that increases up by 25%. Yeah, that scares me because because as much as as much as we want to be experienced about sex, about our identity, if we're constantly bringing fun, if we're if we're constantly donating to organizations that that support pedophilia, um if we're constantly um supporting causes that make our society or make our society worse than it already is. We are only putting our, we as educators, it is our sole responsibility to teach the kid, but we should never parent the kid to how they should think. Because if you, because as you said, as you said, Jennifer, that LGBTQ rates in the past 10 years or, but in the past few years alone from 2010, skyrocketed 7.2%. That's an alarming rate. And you might and you wonder and you wonder why President Biden would the, and I'm not, I'm not saying why I agree with on President Biden issuing that LGBTQ community has a state of emergency. They don't. They don't at all because you're because we're because we're talking about we're talking about a national it is more than just a state of emergency. We're talking about a national crisis here. We're talking kids don't not knowing what they are. We're talking kids transitioning like Jazz Jennings, who, who I, who, who she doesn't even know who the hell she is. And she won't know. And she won't know. Cause right. she's biologically a dude. She, bio, she's bio, biologically a dude. And look how, and, and look how screwed up she's gotten. I don't want to talk and I don't want to talk shit about it, but this is the reality and this is the truth. If we're talking about the unfiltered tea, this is what's going on with our children. You Jazz Jennings is a very, very good example, you know, and, and like I have, I have friends who are trans obviously. And so there, there are a majority of the time where like, as long as I'm, as long as they are happy 
with what they're going through. You know, I, I'm, I'm very, very supportive. Um, I may not agree with the whole trans movement because, you know, you, because of the fact that they feel entitled. That should never, ever, ever be a thing. But personally, if my friends are trans and they feel like they want to go and they feel like as long as you're, and I'm not pushing their boundaries and stuff like that, we're all good. We're chill. We're just friends. You know, we're just vibing. We're, we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. We have our everyday lives. But if you're, if, 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 if there's one of those people that is literally an activist for tra uh, for the trans community and they themselves are not trans, then I, I quite, quite frankly, I don't know what to say to them. You know, if you don't, if you are not beha on behalf of the trans community and you are trans yourself and you are realizing, oh, I regret this. At least you put yourself in a place where you are awake, awakening yourself. And you found that part of, oh, I regretted right. this whole just, just know that the people that have transitions, over 60% of them actually regret what they do. Exactly. Yeah. And right. that number is growing more and more. Because, you know, biologically, you know, and this is it's going to be a little be a little harsh, but it's like, if you're willing to do that, your anatomy is still going to be the same when you die. Right. Okay? You can, right. you can yep. try and change what you are. But in reality, your skeletal system is still going to show that you're either female or male. You cannot change that. And this exactly. is, is my problem with the trans community. You know, I'm all for who you want to be. If, that's what, if that is something you want to go through, then by all means, you go ahead and do it. When they're adults. With, yes, when they're full-blown adults, but not when they're eight, not when they're nine, and not when they're ten. When you're a full-fledged adult, you can go off and you can transition all you want, but not until up and not up until that point. So we were talking earlier about trans people that have regretted their transition. We have people like Chloe Cole, who is now speaking at Turning Point events about how she turned and tried to turn into a he mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. she trans she started detransitioning and uh now she's like talking about all the side effects of that she has to go through a lot of the identity like struggles that she's probably still going through to this day and now you have the trans community that used to have her full support and is now bashing her shaming her for turning back into the person that she was born to be in. What do you have to say to those people who were trans, who, who are trans that are basically shaming one of their own of what used to be their own? Then you're a hypocrite. You are a full-blown hypocrite because isn't the LGBTQ movement, it's all about embracing who you are and actually being open. It should be the other way around too. And this is why I feel for all the people that have transitioned and, and, and now think, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. You know, yes, we all make mistakes, okay? But, you know, it's just people are so confused. People are so confused. And and that, and, I, and my heart aches for them. Because when you don't know who you are, like, that's hell. That is hell. And I can only imagine what Jazz is going through. I can only imagine because he, she doesn't know which way is up or down and what left is right and all the weight that she gained. Yeah. 
and how the and how she must dilate die like the whole thing the dilating part is what bothers me the most because that's painful and like she's gone through a lot of shit you know and I, i i couldn't imagine any other way that you know all these other all my other trans friends have to go through and stuff um i will say this though is that you know that for the, for the for the friends that I've had who regretted turning or transitioning, um, it, you are at least finding a way out of this. You are now realizing that that this may not have been the best decision for you, and unfortunately for us, you know, physically, we can't do anything about it. You know, but the awareness is the first the first and foremost most important thing um when it comes to these things because at least you're being aware as at least they are being aware of it and that you know transitioning back may not really be an option because their whole biological system is already screwed up as already is but um you know when they have when when they advocate for themselves, um, I see a whole different picture on um, just these people, you know? Right. Um, and especially, like, you know, how over 60% of the people that have transitioned um, regret this decision. Um, but then again, we have leftists who are trying to push for trans agenda, trying to push for gender-affirming um, health care, um, California being one of them who already passed it. Um, but many other s- states in the South who haven't passed it, like Alabama, Mississippi, Florida. They ain't going to pass it. They're not going to pass it because they know what's in it. They know, they know what damage these will do. And the leftists don't realize... That if you're going to pass gender-affirming health care, you're putting everybody at risk. Yeah, and I think another thing, too, is, like, when it comes to the, like, let's say there is a full-fledged adult that wants to transition. I think doctors need to give them the downsides of it, all the side effects that they have to go through. Because if... If you guys haven't watched What is a Woman that uh, Matt Walsh put out last year, it's a very good documentary. I highly recommend you guys watching it. I think I mentioned this when I talked about Matt Walsh possibly going too far when he was criticizing Dylan Mulvaney, but he interviewed a detransitioner, and he said that when he was trying to, to become a woman or the other way around... Doctors did not give him any sort of side effects, like, warning. They didn't even tell him, like, what he would be having to go through. That should be illegal. That is illegal. Cause, is. Oh, that is illegal. Because here's the thing. We're, we're told about the side effects of, like, let's say birth control, different, like, medications, like, for depression, anxiety. We're told all that by doctors. But why the topic of transitioning into the other gender why is that not talked about 
and I think that's one of the reason why the reasons why the trans agenda is pushed so much. They don't want to give you this side effects because I think it's a way of trying to make that community grow. And I think you're just going to be creating a community full of people who don't know who they are. They're going to have a lot of mental problems later on. And the problem is they get criticized for it, but it's true. They are just putting themselves in a community that is trying to run away from their responsibilities. Right. They don't want to own anything. They don't want to own anything. And so you time to time, we've seen leftists try to, try to push this agenda of, oh, you know, we need to encourage over having serious conversations about someone's identity, right? And, and we're all about, I mean, I'm not, I'm all about, you know, being proud. There, there, there is a reason why we have Pride Month, but this Pride Month, it's, it, to, to me, and I see it in this way, is there is the, the trans people are making it all about themselves this month because they've gone through a bunch of shit in the past five months alone, like especially with the Ro, especially with um, ever since actually ever since Roe v. Wade got overturned, that got attention. The trans people started rioting everywhere in the nation. I agreed with the overturn. Just saying, and I and I, part of me, you know. I'm not going to touch too much on Roe v. Wade because that is more on another topic we could talk about when it comes to reproductive rights and abortion. But, you know, just based off of the whole Roe v. Wade, uh, the whole Roe v. Wade situation and then trans people constantly getting killed and, you know, riots happening because of, of stuff. Um, it just, it just, I mean, it, it come going back to the topic of children, if we're going to teach kids about about the whole thing about, you know, sexual identity in general, we shouldn't teach them until high school. Right. Because they're not going to know what trans is. They're, matter of fact, if you're inviting kids to drag queen story hour, they're getting confused because it's a male playing a female. Or a female playing a male. Or a female playing a male. They're going to be like, oh, why is his voice so low? And they're going to realize three years, four years, five, even five years later, wow, his voice is so low. Why is that so? They're going to get confused, you know, not right away, but you know, kids, they grow. And so they're going to ask questions. It's not that, that's not that they don't, you know? Yeah. Okay. And then, um, so I, I really love that response by the way about the drag queen story time, because that is actually one of the questions that I'm going to be asking you in a minute. But this next question I think is very important. And I think it's, so people are always talking about like, the teachers that are teaching LGBTQ stuff to the students and people are saying like this should be stopped but I think the real question is why are they teaching these concepts to kids and is it their choice to spread awareness or is it some sort of pressure given by society as a form of job security like for example if a teacher doesn't teach these concepts to their kids are they going to get fired for it like what do you think? This is a very good question that you phrased because they're first off from the very def- the, from the very first thing they're going to say they're going to defend themselves and say that this is their choice to spread awareness. But in reality, it is a, some sort. It, re, in reality, they're going to realize 
that there is that pressure behind them. They just suppress that pressure to get of 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 um of pressure given by society as a form of job security because they speak against it. They know that if they speak against it, they're going to lose their jobs. Or if they don't talk about it at all. Or if they don't talk about it at all. The, that, that is the reason why, you know, a lot of people uh, in schools, like, teachers have to talk about it. Or teachers will talk about it because they want, because they want, to, um, they want to meet that inclusion and diversity standard of being in these schools. Because as part of the training, they we are we are we are required that the, not so this is not just the sexual harassment portion of it, and you know like reporting like band aid reporter stuff, but because we've had so much conversation, the legislation, the the California Senate has had so many conversations about um, about you know inclusion and diversity. Um, in my opinion, it's to, to to the teachers. It's really it's really up to the teachers. If the teachers don't feel comfortable about it, they don't have to spread it. They don't have to share about it. It's not even diversity anymore. No, it's almost that they're it's they're getting like the hammer put on them. Yeah, and that's not fair. It isn't. If a teacher doesn't want to talk, if that te- if the teacher doesn't feel comfortable with that, because I'm just saying. If because I know you're a teacher. Mm-hmm. If I was a teacher, I wouldn't I wouldn't be talking about my sexual identity. If someone asked me, then sure. Yeah. But I would not be talking about my sexual orientation openly. Um, you know, that that's I feel like that's that's more me, that's personal. Exactly. Work and personal are two different things. Yeah, and they should not be should not be combined. Right. And especially right. with the, with the LGBTQ and these teachers, you know, having they're, they have to, they, it's like they, it's, it's like a, or else, you know, it's either do this or else. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be put in that position, especially when they're, when their job is at stake. Right. right. You know, and that's, that whole thing shouldn't be, shouldn't be a problem, but it is, you know, these teachers, they, you know, not only do they have these kids to look at and, and teach, but they got these parents and some of these parents are crazy, you know, and I can only imagine what the daily life is, you know, but a teacher shouldn't be worried about their job. Uh, you know, they shouldn't worry about, you know, this subject getting in line with their job. You know, that's right. very personal. And as you mentioned, like earlier personal and work stuff should not interfere with each other neither they, neither should they be intertwining because once you intertwine then that's where then that's where w- one line to another just crosses and it just overlaps boundaries and you know i it, as a teacher myself who has been teaching since last year is you know if if my kid were to ask me like oh what is you know what is what does LGBTQ mean? Or like, what is, what does it mean to be gay? And if the, and if, I mean, if they have questions about it, obviously we should share it with them, but, and it really depends on the demographic and how old they are. Then we explain it to them, but we explain it to them in a simple way where they will understand 
where they 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 are learning what it is, but not in a way where you know we are teaching them about sex. We are not teaching them about private parts. We are not teaching them about just all that all that sexual um, perver- for perverted bullshit. At least not until at least not until they get into high school, as I mentioned before. Um, but there should never be that pressure. As teachers, we should never endure that kind of pressure because, as because first off, it is more of a social issue we have. That we're scared that we're gonna lose our jobs because we don't believe in this. Um, but quite frankly, you know, if if it it's come to it, our our society was has not been the same since since the whole um, you know LGBTQ community started growing here in America, and you know, quite frankly, it's just it's getting different, you know. But I I feel as if you know. We can spread awareness, but only if our kid, only if our kids ask. But one thing I would like to add, though, uh, about what you said about Roe versus Wade, um, just real quick, um, Over. that was definitely that was a catalyst because as soon as that happened, and that's when everything, like I just felt like that the ripple effect. We are getting the ripple effects of what happened with Roe versus Wade. Yep. Uh, Ruth uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg actually said that Roe versus Wade shouldn't have been a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. And I know a lot of people, a lot of women, like and loved her. But she even said, um, it shouldn't have been a thing. Okay. So then I want to go back to the drag queen story time yeah. that you mentioned earlier. Yep. In the news, there's been stuff going on about the drag queen story times being harmful to children. The extreme, extreme, extreme right is comparing the drag queens to guns. Do you think that is an exaggeration of a comparison? And do you think that these story times are even appropriate? We already answered that. 100% yes, it is a big exaggeration. Drag queens cannot, and I repeat, cannot be compared to guns. Because guns are guns and drag queens are drag queens. Drag queens do not harm anybody. That's unless you are a sexual offender, but drag queens do not harm anybody. But guns do right away. Drag queens are performers. And, you know, in my opinion, mm-hmm. you know, I-, I love the drag queens, okay? They're, they're there to perform. They're there to entertain, you know? Drag queen brunch. I'm all for that, you know? But not story time. Okay, not story time. You know, just I feel kid kids shouldn't shouldn't be near that. I also think like especially since drag queens do put a lot of makeup on themselves. Um, you've heard of kids having a fear of clowns and clowns put on a lot of makeup. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of like that in a way. I feel like because if because right. if kids are not. Because kids shouldn't be exposed to that. It's going to look scary. Because if kids are fearing clowns already, what makes them think that they're going to fear, they're going to fear drag queens? Right. Because they, because they, because they, because if kids, they view something as, 
oh, this is scary. I'm going to get the frick away from it. Then they're going to, and, 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 and if we have drag queens who literally are bulky, they're going to see them at the same thing. They're not, they're, they're not, they're going to see no different than they are, than, than, than they are as clowns. Because I'm telling you, at like six years old, you know, like at six years old, if I saw an, like a over six foot man with a big wig on and lipstick coming at me and, you know, size 12, 13 stiletto pumps, yeah, I'd be a little afraid. I'd be definitely a little afraid. I'd be like, what the hell is that? I was afraid of the freaking Disney characters at Disneyland because of how tall they were. Imagine if I were a kid <laughs> living during this point of an era, I wonder how I would feel, but I'm, well, I'm 24 now, I'm getting old, but anyway, um, (laughs) the point uh, being said, you know, I just feel, I just feel, because if it's like kids, if you are scared of clowns, what makes it different than you're going to be scared about drag queens? And quite frankly, when you talked about the big, the big character, the big ass characters at Disney and (laughs) at Disneyland. Yeah, I feel you on that because when I was seven years old and I went, even though I had pneumonia at the time, yeah, I was scared. I was like, oh my gosh, I thought I thought Mickey Mouse was going to be smaller. Turns out he's much bigger than I thought. Oh my God, you know? If the kids have reactions to that, what makes them think, what makes you think, well, what makes everybody think that, oh, drag queens are different. They're nice. They're that. It's all about the physical appearance of things. You know, and so I, and, and I'm not saying I'm against drag queens in any way, shape or form. I love them. We all love drag we lo- queens. We all, we all love drag queens. RuPaul. I mean, RuPaul, <laughs> Selena Estides, who's actually performing in Splash in San Jose this weekend. Oh, she is? Yeah. Well, at, least like, it's in a, at least it's in an adult rated area. It's in an adult, area. Gra- gra- an area where only 21 plus people can go in. And it better you be know? 21 plus. Stop doing them fake ID bullshit. I hate it so much. Like, we've gone through, I've, we've been through, been through, done that. <laughs> but I have never gotten a fake you know, ID in my life. But you, but you know, like, it's just, if, if, if it's going to scare kids, what makes them think that drag queens are going to be different than that? You know? Right. I definitely agree. But going back to the drag queen and guns kind of thing. That shouldn't have never been a comparison in the first yeah, place. Yeah, I think that's a big exaggeration because the thing is, drag queens aren't killing. Well, okay, I'm. I can't, I do have to say, it's always the people behind the gun that kills the person. But when it comes to like drag queens, like yeah, you're rotting the kid's brain. But I think a person using a gun is a lot more fatal than that. I don't think a drag queen is gonna kill a child. Again, drag queens are adult performers. Exactly. If they're performing at a bar or, you know, again, drag queen brunch for all I care, you know, that is, that, that is okay. And, you know, uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, you know, that, uh, again, that, I feel like that's an art form. Because, you know, like, you know, these men, they dress up and that takes like six seven hours to get them to that point and it's like i respect that yeah and a lot of the makeup that they do is a lot of freehand work on their face like yes they use like their the features that they have on their face to help guide it but a lot of the makeup that they do is like freehand and it's actually pretty amazing on what they can do i just don't like how it's like being like taught to kids even a drag queen spoke out on fox news recently about how drag queen is not drag performances is not for kids that's what he said going back to adult performing and then um 
and then comparing it, comparing drag queens to guns. What is that? What, like, ser- like there's, there's absolutely no comparison there. That is a complete exaggeration. Yeah. That, that makes yeah, no sense. That's definitely a big <laughs> exaggeration on the leftist part. But uh, this is the last question. So right now, minorities and people identifying as LGBTQ are under a protected class under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act where they cannot be fired from their job alongside with the disabled. Now, even though I read this up online just to make sure everybody was protected under the... Um, under the Title VII, we we are seeing that uh, more white people are getting fired from their job or conservatives are getting fired from their job because of their values. So do you think that putting people like minorities and LGBTQ as a priority on Title VII, do you think that's right? Or do you see this as a sense of unneeded superiority? Unneeded superiority, because... Though I'm all for, you know, minorities, and I'm proud that we're highlighting minorities, the fact that they are firing white people or firing people that will have conservative values, we will soon feel the ripple effect. We will soon feel the effect of what it is what our society will look like if there was no white people, if there were no conservative people. We are literally, we, we're literally feeling the ripple effect of it right now here in the Bay Area because a majority of our workers, a majority of, a majority of our, 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 our workers, um, well, I used to work at Target and now a majority of our workers are minorities, people of color. Yeah, we're all about, we're all about professionals and we're all, we're all for talking about, you know, talking about inclusion and and diversity. But if there is, if you, if we are constantly firing white people or people who just believe in the conservative or who who have conservative values, we are putting ourselves in danger. It's going the other way around because it's like, you know, white was all right, you know, but now it's, starting to become the other way around and that makes no sense to me i think white people should be happy with themselves for being white such just like how mexicans should be happy with being mexican i'm how asian americans should be how asian americans like us you know me and jennifer included should be proud of how far we've come in this society but you know the fact that the white people are being are, are being painted in this picture where oh because we have white superiority white supremacy which was which which now looks more like black supremacy ever since juneteenth became an, i became think liberals holiday. i think it's more so liberal supremacy it's not really much so the black community like yes it's the black community tends to be the face of it because that's like a big thing but it's also like the liberals too us li- the liberals yes. are like a big mix of different people and I think it, the more outspoken liberals that I pr- have experienced are the white people that exactly. tell me as a minority I should be oppressed. And then I'm just here like, why is a white person telling me what to do? That's racism. Which contradicts because we're living in a nation where we're, we, 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 we are free to be whoever we want. 
America is a land of opportunity. America is the land of the free. That's why a lot of people come to America. Right. And for the people that were born in America, like like all like me and Victoria, yeah, we 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 who 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 grew up in America, all of us included, actually. I was not born here. But you know, <laughs> I'm it, legally here though. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's like we are living in a time where our freedom is being taken away. We are living in a time where we still prove to be democratic, but in reality, what President Biden is doing, what Vice President Harris is doing to 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 talk about, oh, we're 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 making our our uh, society a better nation. We're we're gaining jobs, and you know we're we're running. Unemployment is like really high. Unemployment is at an all time high right now. Guess how guess how low unemployment was when President Trump was when President Trump was still president. I think it was like five percent. I don't remember. I don't remember the exact statistic. I did search it up for my Trump episode. But uh, anyway, back to the whole job thing. Uh, As a person who almost got fired from their job just for being conservative because a little chicken didn't want to actually go forward with emailing the CEO of Whole Foods or or whoever she was trying to email, nice try. I still have my job. And uh, I don't know what you're doing now. I hope you're still ripping off the government using the EDD program bullshit so you don't have to work as much. Long story short, she was just a pussy for doing that. She was like, well, I don't know if I should send this because if I send a one, I'm I'm afraid my job might get taken away. So she was a pussy because she never sent that email. (laughs) I'm just saying facts right there, you know? Right. After all, this is the unfiltered tea, so. This is the unfiltered tea. We try not to bring up drama, but sometimes a lot of situations just have to be talked about, especially personal experiences like me where I thought my job was on the line. I didn't know she was going to plan this. I didn't know until you told me, actually, Austin. her plan failed. Her plan (laughs) failed because she didn't want to go through with it, and she didn't want to possibly be caught by the government. And uh, anyway, that is all for this episode. Please follow this podcast if you haven't already. We are streaming on rss.com, Spotify, Apple Music, and Amazon Music. If you want to... uh, Figure out how to schedule an appointment with Austin about vocal lessons, instruments. Where can they find you? You can reach me at music at the life by Austin.com, or you can reach me through my business number line at 408-229-3270. Again, that's music at the life by Austin.com or 408-229-3270. And for your AA meetings, do you want to advertise or no? It's up to you. Okay. So uh, we'll see y'all next time for when I spill more of the unfiltered tea.